welcome to What Else? This episode is the second part of my discussion with the Gold Master. We actually had another 30 minutes or so, but I had a technical bungle uh, and wasn't able to capture that part. But we still got some good stuff um, with the Gold Master talking about work and camping and the outdoors and other interesting topics. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, and we'll try to have him back on the show to, to talk about some more stuff too. Um, I'd like to thank our pals at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative who helped hook up our sponsorships and have given the show a boost. So check them out if you're interested in some of the other shows at chicagopodcastcoop.com. And in the meantime, enjoy the second part of the Gold Master. And thanks for listening. Here we go. Um, let's talk a little about um, work stuff. So I know you're uh, you've had a bunch of different um, work experiences of different kind of fundamentally different types. Um, and have entertained the idea of having your own business and stuff like that. Like, what's your level of, even just broadly, like your level of interest or ambition for work and business success or whatever? Like, how do you think about that stuff? I have always been a sales guy, right? Whether it be a salesman or a sales leader. And as... And it was, and I chose it because, well, I kind of fell into it, but there was a general correlation between effort and what you can get out of that effort. And I found that I was decent at it. So whether, so I think there, I, over the last 22 years, I think I've had five jobs and they've all been related in that general sense. As I age, I am just intrinsically less interested in just selling things to people. I'm just much less interested in that, whereas I never thought about it much before. It was just what I did. The reason why I have thought about doing my own thing is because after a while it is hard to get up and just to go sell something on behalf, so someone else thinks you're doing a good job, right? Like you're, and that's just work. Like your bosses and management, and you know, I've always ha- I've had really good bosses in my life, and it's not a shot a shot to them. It's that I wouldn't mind doing what I want to do and taking a risk, but I haven't because I don't want to take a risk. <laughs> Like a lot of people who contemplate this. Risks have downside. That's correct. Um, what do you think you've learned about people from... Oh, I was thinking of in terms of your work experience, but it could be something... It doesn't have to be just because of work experience. But do you feel like you've learned things about people or the way humans work or how to operate <laughs> it's system. a great question. It's a, and I, I'm drawn to answer that this way. That I think, my, based on my experience, and maybe just be the way how I'm wired, that people tend 
to work or do their best when there's empathy in the equation. Now, there's a lot of talk and books written about emotional IQ and all the stuff that is a part of that, I guess, empathy, empathetic approach. And people want, although I, people definitely want to be led, they want to know that there is a mission and they want the leaders to be present. Yet they also, in my opinion, want people, those leaders, to be empathetic. Which means share in the challenge, appreciate how hard things can be, yet come to work and do a, a, as best you can. Um, because the opposite, I think, is where people tend to either hide, look for something else, or look for something that to belong, to be a part of. Most of the time when people leave, I mean, it's, it's known that it's because of your boss, generally speaking. But it's also because they're looking at another group of people over there that seem to be operating at a high level because they're a part of something. And that sense of belonging, when there's some empathy and that you're in the foxhole together, in my opinion, people do better. And I do find that to be the case in athletics. When there's a shared experience and you're working towards winning the game, I know this is silly, but yet whereas I also see others in business scenarios where there is the quota and that is it. There is the how many phone calls did you make and that is it. And people tend to, especially as they age, move away from that because there isn't belonging or empathy or sharing. People do want to be led and that people want to feel a part of something and that they will do so much better and be happier and it will go better for everybody if you, not in a false way, but if you genuinely create a you know, situation where you kind of give people some acknowledgement, give them a direction and give them an idea of like what we're, what we're trying to do here and then, you know, kind of carry that through and it's amazing to me how many people maybe it's because the people who are I think sometimes people who are at certain positions in a in a business organization are there for reasons that are or for due to internal traits that are at odds with that kind of approach I would agree so somebody's a good negotiator or a deal maker Right, like our one of our uh, CEOs, great at that. Not not a bad guy, like an interesting, smart guy, but not a leader. Or someone's a good ideas person, but they are not a motivator or a creator of um, the camaraderie that you're talking about. I think you can have both, and I think that people mistake that that you can perform at a high level because you are a people manager. It's okay to perform at a higher level, at a high level and get the business done. And it's also possible while doing that to be a reasonable, communicative person. And you find, like when I interview sometimes, people 
ask about my leadership, you know, skills and how, what's my approach. And I talk about some of these things. And then I say, and let's, let's not uh, confuse that with not being interested in results. Let's take it a higher level and not below that level. And I find that a lot of people approach the leadership as a right and not a privilege when it actually is a privilege to have other people looking up to you and looking for guidance, and you should treat it that way. Absolutely. I mean, it's a hugely significant thing because you are responsible for people's livelihoods, probably a significant part of their emotional well-being and their, by extension, their family's well-being and, you know, on both those counts, et cetera. People are fine with feedback. They're fine with even constructive feedback. What they're not fine, fine with is people who tend to, leaders who tend to hide, who build a file and then just launch into it at the annual review. These are things that are known and they're easy to deal with, but human nature is not wired for conflict. Mm-hmm. And you... It, but that's part of the deal. Man up and have a conversation. So, yeah, so talk to me about that and your approach to that um, and how maybe it has evolved. Because I think for me and for other people, it's tough to you get better at it. But um, if you're someone who's uh, like, were you predisposed to being direct with people when you started out? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like a lot of people when you are like an individual contributor and all of a sudden you're asked to manage people. It's very difficult. And I made a lot of mistakes. I've made the class, some classic mistakes of trying to be too much of the manager and almost have um, two objective approaches. Like, so not how many calls did you make, but almost like that where it is all about the business and you got to meet those needs. And I off-put a lot of people, for sure. And I think I've learned over time, and also just with age, where you do see a bigger picture, like about their career trajectory and the ability to communicate constructive things. Right? I'm much better at that just as a, an older person. Mm-hmm than I was a younger person. But uh, making mistakes helps you along. So although um, I am interested in the business objectives, I'm also interested in that person. Mm-hmm. I really am. And I'm not hiring like-minded people all the time, and it's very challenging. But that's Okay. I've met a lot of different people in my life and I'm able to yeah. hang out and be with them. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing about you. Like, I think you are able to find connection and common ground with people who on the surface might seemingly be fairly different from each other. I hope. I really hope so. Um, like, Are you a person who's interested in everybody? Like, I think some... <laughs> I might not be necessarily. <laughs> I might have to work at it a lot of the time. Like, are you one of those people who's like, oh, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. Like everything, everybody's I story. Think, I think the way I would put it, I think anecdotally, you, you might, Julie, my wife, might have to 
put me in the car and shackle me in the back seat while I throw food from my tray on the way to the dinner party. But once I'm there, I'm actually very interested in most things and most people. Like, I love hearing how people got to, like, where they are. Like, oh my goodness, like, where did you move? What did you, like, how did you get there? And that's, that's really interesting to me. It's fun to see the paths. And those connections, and by the way, connecting, there's another word for it, it's listening. It doesn't happen much. Uh, And I'm guilty of that too, like right now. Um, This is by design. Right. But I often don't want to go or I don't want to go to that work thing. But again, once I'm there, I'm good with it. People, and the only time I'm really not is when I'm talking sometimes, and this is true, everywhere I would say that when people take the line and run with it, right? And you give them enough line to just keep things moving in, in, in a dinner party and you're having a great time, but then someone will run with it for an hour and you're, you're looking at your watch. I find um, in those kinds of settings generally, m- my goal is to try to get people a little bit off axis, like a little bit, let's not talk about the st- mm-hmm. where do you work and oh, you know, that kind of stuff, but to try to find, talk long enough to find a thing where I'm like, hang on, let's dig into that. That's interesting. I absolutely love that too. And I'd, I don't want to talk about work. I mean, I never really want to talk about work. So what else is there? aptly named <laughs> that we can right pick at a little bit yep. and like little passion points yes right i'm talking to a guy and he just loves fishing and i'll ask him 500 questions about fishing and lures and bobbers and how you got into it and all of a sudden i kind of want to fish let's go fishing and it actually happened. I actually, it, it, it happened. I'm in Wisconsin all of a sudden a month ago with a guy I barely know, and then and a neighbor, and we're fishing, eating donuts. Like it was awesome. Sounds perfect. That's really good. Speaking of passion things, I want to go back to one thing we were talking about earlier. Um, you mentioned a bunch of the the records that you, the Columbia Records House records and stuff, and that were obviously had an impact on you and stuff. Do you feel like, and this might be just today, or it might be for a longer period of time, or um, there may be persistent ones. Do you have like a secret personal anthem? Do you have like songs that are like, this is, says something to me or about me? And hmm, That's a great question. And, you know, you think of it, think of it very like, like tactics like if i was to walk into a room what's the song (laughs) or is there something a little more cerebral about a body of work or something um i think go ahead no no any of those is fine like if there's a song that you're i don't think there is a a walk-on song like if i was like being introduced at the nba finals what would the song be that would be kind of tough but there would be something um and I kind of, I'll build it up. I mean, there's probably two ways to go. It's either go with your favorite rock and roll um, or something that people may not totally know 
that is really, really awesome that you think about. And I, on that, in that vein, it would be really getting into what was called rap music in the early 80s. And where I could only find it while living here was uh, in the mid 80s was on Northwestern had a radio like hour and you couldn't find any of it on the dial. And man, it's, it's not anthem ish, but I'll listen to like Eric B and Rakim and I'm a different place. It's so good. And it's, it's because of the drums, it's because of the, the rhymes, but it actually is different than it is now. Because now I can't follow it a lot. Like the lyrics and the beats, are, I, I'm just not that trained of an ear to follow a lot of the stuff. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Kanye. It doesn't, I can't even, I don't get it. But the old Run DMC stuff, man... I, I can't get enough of it. But a body of work that I guess if I was to go back to over and over again, it would have to be The Police and Led Zeppelin. And I know I'm not alone there, but it's largely due to the songs and the drums. Like Zenyatta Mandata, every single song would be the song I would want on a deserted island. Every one of them. Yeah, that one, to me, in some ways for the drumming, that's the album of theirs. And Maybe it was... It's the way, partly it's the way it's mixed, partly it's the songs and grooves. I mean, it's... You know what? It, it reminds dominant. me, and a lot of, like it is for our parents and our grandparents, everything brings them back to a certain period. Right. Where things were different or blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking at the Zenyatta Mandata images inside the record album. And I fell in love like with the drums for in large measure because just how they looked. And Stuart Copeland's drum set looked evil. And it looked like it gotten beaten up and he would write some disgusting things on the drum heads. But he had... And then you just see him play and you hear him play and it's... Uh, you would think I'd get tired of it. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point that how there's some stuff, there are songs that I think are terrific and pieces of work that I think are terrific that I just don't want to hear anymore ever. I think won't get fooled again by the who is a great song. I really don't ever want to hear it again. I get that in any format. I just don't want to hear it. And I, and I think it's actually, it actually is great, and it was great, and it is still great, but I'm out. And then there's other songs that I, can, that I can't get tired of. Now, you I mean, probably... They're not necessarily better, but there's something about them that is just... It's like, it's like a freshwater spring or something. Like, I'm just like a... I don't know. Oh, I, I respect good. that. But my gosh. I mean... There are, I will take a three month break from Led Zeppelin and I will not listen to it. But when that's over and I put on How the West Was Won, which is my favorite, and it's live and it's just amazing, 
it says if I'm 18, listening to that, it's so real. You make an interesting th- point there. So I, I we'll talk about this with my friend Todd a lot, who you've met. You've met. Um, we'll go on sort of kicks for a while. Like I will, there will be bands, right? We name the band Police, somebody else, like who that I won't listen to for a long period of time. I mean, I might barely listen to any of their stuff for for more than a year or two. And then something comes around. It's the weather. It's the season. It's something that's happening in life. And I'll get back on the kick. And then you go really deep back into it. So I'll really go through the police stuff or I'll really go into the Van Morrison or, you know, U2 stuff or, you know, Peter Gabriel or whatever it is. Um and and kind of go through a phase and then I'll kind of move away from it and then I may not listen to those songs for again a significant period. And that's of time. the beauty of of time and decisions and dis- making a decision I'm going n- narrow and deep with this. You know, but I I'm like everyone else. I don't necessarily need to hear Black Dog by Led Zeppelin again. Right? Well, I learned how to play it and I got so into the every single kick note and I loved it. Yet there are there are songs that you just don't hear, like for example, "Man in a Suitcase" by the Police. You don't hear it. So every time I hear it, it's awesome because I'm not listening to it much, but it just delivers every time. And you know, "Bombs Away" or whatever it's called when the yeah, world is, right. when the world is coming, coming down, yeah, "Bombs Away." Right? It's always. Voices inside my head, right? That's top that notch. Yeah, you think it's be- in that in those cases? Is it partly because you just haven't worn it out the way you've Correct. worn out the? Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of that, and that, and what I love is what you said is, I may discover something. So even like Willie Nelson, I'm listening to it this morning. I'm like, you know what? I should really go deep with with Willie on this. I should really saddle up and I did it with um, his buddy uh, the man in black uh, Johnny Cash Cash a couple years ago and it was so worth it it was so worth it and I now I feel like I know where to go when I need it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's just little passages you open with different artists or what have you Mm -hmm. and that's very different from movies or it, it may be maybe the similar for books like a certain author but it's i don't know if there's an analog there that's a, that's an interesting point i mean i guess there are people that really like movies and will like to watch the same movie but i can't imagine or or an artist's catalog of movies like we're gonna watch steve buscemi movies this weekend uh, right. i don't know right it would be fun yeah but yeah, I think it's a diff- it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting point. It's a it seems like a fundamentally different kind of thing. Maybe because of the just the form, because you know, because rock songs are five minutes or less, and movies are three hours. That it's a- the music offers so much, and I love like I am a sucker for like the Muscle Shoals docu- documentaries and all of this material because it's the hard scrabble way to make it and i can i have such a profound appreciation much more profound appreciation for that road 
than it is for, say, an author. And um, that's that. I don't even care if that's fair. That could be uh, someone might want to take me down for that, or an uh, or an actor. Eh. No, right. <laughs> you're a studio mus- musician and Muscle Shoals. Yeah, and you're putting together stuff with these artists who just come up with Free Bird in the middle of it. Like, yeah. okay, I'm listening. That's right. Then what'd you do? Oh, you, you, then you worked with someone else. And you look at all these artists who talk about one another, like Amy Lou Harris is talking about Willie and sure. Dolly and all this stuff. Sure. I, can, I will hang on every word because it's, it's history. They're alive. They're making connections. They're talking about Nashville. It's so, it's all pulp. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, Bish and I talked a little about the idea that it's too bad that there's not more actual documentation of how great records are or were made. I remember. That to me, is a, that's a rich vein. Like That's so interesting to me, like how that stuff was. I couldn't agree more. How did certain... You said it to me once. We were sitting together and there was a Zeppelin song we were talking about and you mentioned, how did Robert Plant think to put that, like, yawp in the middle of the song? Did, did the engineer say, hey, could you, could you just do this weird sound? That's right. It's, it's awesome how... That's right. For the record, it's in, yeah. I always think about that in the middle of Ramble On, where he starts yeah. the latter, where he abandons the chorus, right? Yeah, Ramble On. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, yeah, and he just it's awesome. And you know what? I got one that you you may not like. Um, I recently watched the Simon and Garfunkel bit. Okay. It was like how their songs came together. I couldn't stop. I, I've watched it a couple times since, and how basically because Paul Simon stole them from other people. But uh, oh yeah, so I don't know like that kind of thing. But I'm really more interested in Art Garfunkel and how he, the story behind um, Bridge Over Troubled, Troubled Water, how that was recorded. I almost, I almost cried. I sw- it was so incredible, and that song to me, because I haven't heard it in so I hadn't heard it in so long, and how they recorded it was it was so interesting and i was surprised on how emotional i got with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this kid is just singing some vulnerable song letting it all hang out and then they give you know the music to the orchestra and they thought it was a different song so they had the title of a of a different song on there and it comes together in just this beautiful piece and that's like with certain songs it like is it is is the definition of music, right? So a lot of people say the Eagles, like Hotel California, like that is the quintessential or pet sounds. That's the quintessential. Like you can't do anything better as far as musical notes where they need to be and the arrangements. I, there are some in my book, like a lot of the old Boston songs. Like you can't redo them to be any better. Those notes in those arrangements and that performance was absolutely perfect. That, unless of course Cheryl Crow comes in and covers it and makes a, a mess of herself. 
<laughs> like Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. L- let's redo Sweet Child of Mine or Rod Stewart's The First Cut is the Deepest. Let's do that and show the world how terrible I am. <laughs> yeah, there's certain certain things that, that don't need remaking. Like you're not, especially to, unless you're going to do something fundamentally different and interesting in a totally different way. Like they don't need to be better in the way that they were good. I can appreciate remakes and covers because there are some and we could sit for hours and talk about how amazing some of them are. But when something is perfect, recognize it and leave it alone. And I'm not saying Sweet Child of Mine is perfect, but for what it was, which is this pop rock like rockin thing you don't need Cheryl Crow doing it yeah. yes that's right and don't even argue with me yeah you don't need certain things don't need to be taken further in the same direction they were they've they've reached their limit of and they're as good as they're going to be if you want to go a totally different way that might be something else right if you, right. you know what I like and for example there there are like bluegrass bands that cover like Green Day. There's a whole Green Day album that's all bluegrass, and I just love it. It's different, and it's funny, yet musically sound. Awesome. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. But it's not, note for note, what they did. Because they already did it. They did it. And they did it great. Yep. Yeah. Uh, when you think about stuff you're interested in i'm interested to talk a little about your fishing trip too how are you doing on time perfect um my agent just was yeah, pinging me i get it um in any facet of your life things that you haven't explored or experienced that you're interested in are there things like do you have some kind of like list or something like that of macrame no, I, I, there are a few things, and I can't wait to get involved in them. Um, but it will have to be, not completely, but largely, when I'm done working. Yeah. And I would love to get more involved in the outdoors. I'm obsessed with people either walking or biking across the country. I love all of these outdoor shows. And, and having survival skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see me going on naked and afraid anytime soon. However, being able to handle yourself in the outdoors, which, and of course, I don't necessarily want to do it by myself. But I, as I've gotten older, I think I went camping for the first time a year ago. Right. And I, I really can't get enough of it. And I want to go to Yosemite. And I want to go to the Grand Canyon and hike and 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 enjoy it. What do you think it is about that 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 got switched on? It could be a few one of a few things. One of them is it's the antithesis of how I live my day today. Whereas I'm going into some office and trying to sell something to someone, and there's meaning to that. Um. But to not do that, so I, for example, last January, I was, my time at my last gig had had ended, and 
I would go on hikes, day hikes in, in Kettle Moraine, 13, 14 miles with a pack and water and come home exhausted. And then I would go on a weekend, I'd camp by myself or with some friends, you included, mm -hmm. uh, a couple months ago. And it's absolute, it, it, every vista is different. I'm not, uh, I'm not trampling the same path to my office. Yeah. And if I could do that for a little bit longer than a weekend and make it and survive and thrive with skills, that would be great. That would be, that's what I want to do when I retire is be outdoors. Very interesting. And I'm not a hunter. Yeah. I don't, that's not something it's that's a, interesting. It's not a thing you grew up doing no. or anything like that, any of this stuff. No. It offers so much, and again, I don't want to do it by myself. Like I don't want to do the Appalachian Trail right. alone. Right. It would be kind of cool to try something like that. Um, but I read these blogs of, of people who have walked across the country, and what you don't realize is that if we were to set out and do that today, we'd get tired after, say, 10 miles. Where's 10 miles from here? Like somewhere in Chicago. <laughs> right. We would have to find a place to sleep in a tent on some side of the road, and that's really what the whole trip is. You do 10 or 15 miles, you're not that far down the road. And you have to figure out, where am I going to sleep? Who's, who's going to chase me off their lawn? The practical measures that are involved are, can be dangerous, hilarious, frustrating, there's a few things there that are really interesting. So one is, I think that that's a very interesting point. I think that it seems to me that our, the modern world, because you could be literally anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours, um, you know, if you have a few thousand dollars that you're willing to spend, um, that perspective, right, that is changing. Because I think in some point in the past in history 10 miles was about as far as anybody could go period <laughs> right ever right mm -hmm. so that was yeah, it didn't seem like not very far it seemed like as far as one could go in a day right and now it seems like n nothing so to recalibrate that expectation seems like a really I don't know if it, it would be hard or not hard, but it would definitely be a change of, of perspective in terms of what to expect. It would uh, be really, it would just be a, a unique experience and challenge. Rather than, am I going to get to work on time? Am I going to make this meeting? Am I prepared enough for this PowerPoint that I have to deliver? But rather, should I call the local police and let them know that I'm planning on sleeping in this park, is that okay? Right? Or do I just sleep on someone's lawn? And am I a purist that I'm not going to stay in a hotel at any time? I mean, these are the practical questions that right. come up. <clears throat> and maybe I'd get tired of it. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't. I think the part that's interesting that you mentioned is, you know, that you don't necessarily want to do it alone because I think some people really want to do these things alone and the things that you've talked about in a few contexts about camaraderie and so forth like for me I've done some traveling alone and some traveling with other people 
and it's just more I don't, I don't necessarily get lonely alone and some things are simpler to do alone but it's just more interesting and more satisfying to, and sometimes more frustrating and more of a pain in the butt but more interesting to me to do it with somebody or at least one other person I agree. Um, I think the only the only thing that I don't want to manage on a daily basis with someone else is their decision to do this thing. I see. Cuz you have to have if a bucket of energy that's a that's call it above 63%. Because if it's not and my job is also yes, to keep to provide, you in, engaged. Yeah, it's going to drain your battery. It, that's not the right person. That's right. However, you're there to help each other through it. Mm-hmm. All the obvious things that partners need to do. But there is nothing more interesting than going on a road trip with someone who is as excited. That's the gold master. This is what else. I apologize again for the abrupt ending there. That's where the recording machine failed and... We had about another 30 minutes of discussion, not realizing that it wasn't recording, but we'll get the gold master to come back and uh, talk more. Hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks for tuning in to What Else, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.